it was a little bit of a struggle for me because I was doing something that I had never done before. And I know people talk about imposter syndrome all the time, but like I felt it 24-7. I'm like, I I legitimately didn't know what I was doing. And I was always nervous that someone was sort of going to find out that I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the background. Um, But, you know, Looking back, I realized that you're never going to know everything about everything before you start. There's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be new, innovative, you know, findings that happen. And and that's okay, right? You know, we're going to improve. You're going to get better. um, And that's normal. FabFitFun is more than a seasonal subscription box with a curated mix of fabulous beauty, wellness, fashion, fitness, home, and tech items that's delivered four times per year. Katie Rosen Kitchens, co-founder of FabFitFun, has led its evolution into a female-focused media brand delivering happiness and well-being while still thinking of the company as a scrappy startup. Coming up... You'll hear how FabFitFun leveraged existing newsletter readers to create an instant customer base. Why the company's number one core value is member is queen. A look at how you divide roles between three co-founders. Why the FabFitFun box is actually a marketing platform for CPG brands. A near disastrous packing error that resulted in a big loss, but important learnings why the company launched community forums, an influencer strategy that was from the beginning unique and outside the beauty box, and a look at imposter syndrome and letting go of anxiety and the pursuit of perfection. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Katie, thank you so much for being with us today. So excited. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to hear about FabFitFun. We are such big fans of your brand. But I know when you first started your company, it did not start out as a subscription box, correct? That is exactly right. So we have a rather unique history. Um, So my background is in content. I was a freelance writer for 10 years before starting FabFitFun with my co-founders, Michael and Daniel Brukeem. Um, and we actually started as an online magazine. So if you think back about 10 years, which really dates me, um, you know, the world of media was really ruled by glossy magazines. And they were very much a directive of, you know, what you were supposed to look like and how you were supposed to act. And as a Jewish Puerto Rican girl from the Valley who didn't necessarily fit those stereotypes, you know, we wanted to create something that was, you know, a little more like your best friend giving you tips and tricks to a better life. And um, we ran it as a media brand for about three years. You know, we built up a really nice following. Um, was it called FabFitFun back then? It was called FabFitFun. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the through line has always really been this idea of, you know, delivering happiness and well-being, um, originally through content and now through the membership. But, you know, at, at, if you think back now, I guess around seven years ago, you know, media was a, was a tough world and every magazine and every newsletter was shutting its doors and everyone was fighting for the same, you know, very few advertising dollars and 
um, you know, we really, we needed another revenue source. And, you know, we love the world of e-com. Um, we liked the idea of subscription. And at the time, there were a couple beauty sample boxes that were really popular. And for me, you know, as an editor, you know, I loved getting packages in the mail. I loved trying new things. Um, but I'm also just really cheap. So the idea of paying for samples when I could go get them for free at Sephora was just like a little bit weird. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the subscription boxes of the time were super niche. So it, it was a makeup box or a fashion box or a food box, but nothing that was really looking at women holistically. And look, we believe that women are smart, multifaceted beings with a lot of interests. Um, and we wanted to cater to her. I mean, we already established ourselves as a lifestyle brand. So, you know, that really made sense to put it um, to the forefront. So we launched the boxes in the spring of 2013. And that, you know, became the rebirth of the company. Can you take us back to 2013? You have this idea to start a subscription model for your business. How do you even begin to launch something like that? So for our listeners who have these ideas for maybe some of these niche subscription boxes, like how do you even go about that process? I mean, it was very much a test, I have to be honest. And we were testing other things at the same time. We had, um, you know, like a little fitness apparel line Mm -hmm. going on amongst other things. And, you know, I think for for what was lucky about, I think, the way that we started is that because I had been a writer for so long, you know, I had relatively good connections um, in the PR world of beauty, fashion, and fitness. And we really did leverage those contacts for those, you know, first boxes. And we started really small. We started with 2,000 boxes. And Honestly, my co-founder was incredibly sure that we were going to be successful. You know, I thought maybe we'd sell a few and, you know, we'd be happy. Did you buy them up front? Like you had to buy product we up front? We did, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, so in 2000 wasn't a huge risk to take. Um, but still, nonetheless, you know, at the time it was a lot. Um, but we sold out in 24 hours. And, you know, that for us was a really key indicator that, you know, we had something that women were interested in. And, it, you know, looking back, it wasn't a crazy stretch um, because we had established ourselves as authorities in beauty, fashion, and fitness. And so it wasn't really that odd when we said, hey, we're not just going to write about these products. We're actually going to put them in your hands. Who were your first customers, your existing subscribers? Exactly. So the entire marketing plan was all targeted towards our newsletter readers. And so that was nice because we had built up a following already. And it was those women who knew us and already liked us that said yes to those initial boxes. And how did you decide what to put in the box at the time? Is the box what it is today, what it was before? Um, In the sense that it's a mix of, you know, beauty, fashion, fitness, wellness, yes. Um, But, you know, I would say – I will say that we sort of level set and the boxes definitely get better. And I know that if we sent someone a box from the first year today, (laughs) they would riot. They would be like so pissed, you know. That would – it's it's definitely gotten better. What was in the first box, do you remember? Um, Well, the big – the reason why we sold out of the first box is we actually had a full-size bottle of Moroccan hair oil. And at the time, that was a really, really popular brand. And for the same price as that you were going to pay for that bottle of hair oil, you were actually getting a whole box of products. So it was sort of a no-brainer to sign up. But um, you know, I will say not everything of that box was a success. And, you know, partly because we weren't sure that we were going to sell out. Um, and it was a mix of a few different things. We sort of front loaded the first, um, you know, few hundred products, 
boxes with the best products. And then the last boxes definitely got the remnants. And so we had some unhappy, you know, members in the beginning. But I think, look, from the very beginning, one of our, you know, core values is that member is queen. You know, every decision we base is, you know, around the fact that we want to make this an amazing experience for her. So for anyone who got one of those lesser boxes, we ended up comping it. And that was actually a huge risk to the business. I mean, more so than the investment in those 2000 products, that was like, oh gosh, are we going to go under because of it? But it ended up being really to our benefit because they ended up, you know, trusting us. And we have this very weird business where people are paying us for something that they have no idea what it is. And so if that trust level is not incredibly high, they're just not going to stay a member. And you mentioned that this started all as a test. So you... You invest in 2,000 boxes. Yes. You sell out in 24 yes. hours. Clearly, it's working. Then what's next? Well, it Did was you definitely have a plan to yeah. do the next box um, next It was month? definitely a scramble. Um, you know, <laughs> we were using a 3PL. So at the time, we didn't have our own warehouse. And so that was, you know, at least taken care of. That was its own sort of operating machine. Um, and, you know, because I'm really great at timing – um, I also, you know, gave birth to my first daughter oh, the perfect. same um, <laughs> week that the box was launched, <laughs> because it's great. Um, so it was a scramble, you know. And, you know, when you're talking about the smaller quantities, you know, because we did have these really good PR relationships, we were able to source the boxes, you know, relatively quickly. You know, now when you're talking about, okay, it's, you know, way over a million members, you know, minimum orders start at 300,000 units, you know, these conversations just take longer. But, you know, it was sort of a different – we had different problems to overcome at that point. So talk to us about growing and scaling your team because you were only a team of a few people and now you have a million members. So to be able to – service that many members, your team's clearly grown over the years. Yes. So we now, we have 500 employees. Congratulations. Crazy wow. town. Um, it's really, it's, I still don't totally believe that to be true. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, most of that growth has been in the past years. I mean, we were really, really lean and mean for, you know, the first seven years of FabFitFun. Um, and, you know, I think we remain to this day very much a scrappy startup. You know, that is how we think of ourselves. It's how we operate. You know, we try and do the very, very most with the very, very least. Um, and I think no matter, you know, how big hopefully we get, you know, that will be another sort of part of our DNA. Um, but, you know, that said, I think, you know, once you start to scale, one, you realize the holes that you have. And two, you know, you need to start investing in people with a lot of experience and a lot of expertise. And I think, you know, when we started, I think the the positive part was that we actually had no experience. I mean, my background was in content. Suddenly I was overseeing, you know, the entire curation, negotiating deals, negotiating terms, trying to figure out what operations like actually meant, like what happens when things come over from China? These are questions that I didn't really know how to answer. Um, but on the the positive side, you know, because I, I, I'll just speak for myself, I was so lacking in experience, you know, I wasn't really limited uh, to the way things were supposed to be done. You know, we were really open-minded to try and test and, you know, invest in the things that were working and, you know, throw away the things that weren't. I think as you scale, you know, you start to realize, okay, 
There's not a lot of process. There's not a lot of structure. We live in a lot of chaos. Our timelines were terrible. I mean, we were constantly putting our partners and our vendors on edge every season because we were really just getting to the point where, like, it was now or never. Um, so we've brought in amazing people who have, you know, tons of experience, really understand process, really understand structure, and that helps us scale. And I mean, and that will always be balanced with this idea that I think, you know, we believe ourselves to be a startup and we want to be opportunistic and we want to be nimble. Um, but eventually you have to find sort of that, you know, that sweet spot, that balance. Are those your core values? Um, it's so, uh, you know, Members Queen is the number one core value. Um, always innovate is another sort of big one for us. But, you know, it's funny. We actually, we just went through a value uh, revamp this year, which is good because the other thing that happens, quite frankly, is that, you know, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, we'd have an all hands and we'd sit in a room and there was 15 of us and it was very easy to strategize together and understand, you know, what the sort of bigger strategic goals of the company you know, look like. I think now, you know, we we no longer can sit in a room together. And so having these core values, making sure that our mission is very clear, I think helps people as they, you know, come on. You know, without that, I think it's it's a little harder. Is your entire team based in California? Um, the majority of them are in California. Um, we do have some engineers and CS overseas. So tell us a little bit about hiring your management team. Was that something that was difficult to do to let go of some of the the reins? Um a hundred percent. Um, I mean, it's still to this day, I think, sometimes hard to let go. But even just having three co-founders, I think, is challenging. Um, and I think, you know, we've gotten much better at, you know, staying in our own lanes. And, you know, it took me honestly, years to understand that it's not better to try and control everything. And in fact, there are people who are far smarter in their areas of expertise than I could or ever will be. Um, and that was that was a work in progress because like I'm definitely a doer. I'm a little bit of a control freak. I still like being a doer, you know, as much as I, I do, I like managing. I also like feeling like I've actually taken something and accomplished it and finished it. Um, but no, but I think it's been, I think it's been interesting. Um, our first hire was our, um, chief product officer. And that was, I think, a really big coup for us because, you know, at the end of the day, we really are, um, a tech startup. You know, we are in the beauty and fashion space, but without the tech, none of that works. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're talking to, the tech world, you know, when you're dab, when you're, you know, focused on beauty and fashion, it can be hard to attract really serious talent. Um, but we were lucky to bring on someone amazing and that really set the tone for, you know, all of the future executive hires. How do you divide uh, responsibilities between you and your co-founders and how have your roles changed over time? Um, so my two co-founders, Michael and Dan are co-CEOs. Um, and we really have sort of carved out different niches. Um, so Michael oversees marketing product on the tech side, not product in the box, <laughs> um, engineering. Um, Daniel oversees all of our fundraising, legal, 
operations and finance, and I oversee what we call partnerships. And so that includes curating all of the products in the box, overseeing um, our entire e-com platform. So we have eight annual flash sales in addition to the box that have about you know 500 to 600 SKUs every season and members can um, shop products that are priced better that they can find anywhere online or in real life. Um, BizDev, all of our house brands. So, you know, because we sit on so much data, we have a pretty decent understanding of who our members are and what they want. And when we can see a white space in that area, it's a really sort of nice opportunity to launch a new brand. So um, we have quite a few of our own house brands, um, some of the event stuff, and then I get to work with our awesome consumer PR team as well. Coming up, you'll hear about a near disastrous packing error that resulted in a big loss but important learnings, and why FabFitFun launched community forums. We all know that being an entrepreneur isn't as glamorous as it may seem. Tell us about some of the challenges that you faced over oh, the years. Gosh, there have been so many. So I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys a, a couple of them, and you tell me when there's too many failures yeah, that we're just give depressing us all people. the juicy details. Okay. And right, we yeah. want to hear how you were able to overcome them and and keep going. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, you know, in the beginning, uh, you know, we used a three PL. So someone uh, someone else was basically picking and packing the boxes. Um, which was a good way to start because you know the you know owning your own so warehouse. So three PL is a warehouse, exactly. Okay. Yes, and basically they're taking on the shipping of okay. everything. Um, and one of the things that you know you have to do is basically create a manifest that defines basically everything that's going into the box. Um, so in our second box, um, you know we didn't have a very big team. Um, we actually hadn't hired any new people when we launched the box. Um, so our former copywriter, who was amazing, um, was now our head of operations, who had never had any sort of dose of experience doing operations. Um, and, you know, she was, you know, responsible for creating the manifest. And um, we had this really amazing cleanser from Bliss. And Bliss was one of the best brands we had ever had in the box. It was a big coup. We were really excited. And it came with this little sort of bounce back card, which is something that we do for a lot of our, you know, partners to help them see the return in, in, in the partnership. Um, unfortunately, the bounce back card um, went onto the manifest, but the actual Bliss cleanser did not. So we shipped out all of the boxes minus one product. And, you know, at the time that was it, right? The idea that we had to then ship out the cleanser separately. I mean, that was every single penny that we had in the bank. Um, but we did it. And, you know, it was a lesson learned that like, look, these things are going to happen. You have to have a, some sort of reserve knowing that mistakes are going to happen. And that's, I think, advice that every entrepreneur really does need because whether it's a forgotten product or any host of other things that happen in this wild, wild world of starting a business, like mistakes happen, you know, and we just have to be able to overcome them. And part of that is just having the money to be able to do that. Um, I think Had you fundraised at this point. No, no, okay. no everything was yeah. bootstrapped. Um, I think, you know, a second sort of interesting learning for us was, you know, 
the box really is a marketing platform for the brands that we work with. Um, and for all of our premium products, everything over $20, you know, we're paying for those products. Um, but we will get, you know, uh, we will work with CPG brands who basically do a media buy with us. So they will um, donate the product and then there's basically a media spend and they'll get things like, you know, a dedicated blast, extra content, extra influencer marketing, et cetera. Um, and our very first sort of sponsored product was uh, panty liners. And so there's nothing, you know, particularly like sexy or cool about panty liners, but we thought, look, you know, it's an extra product in the box. They're paying us why not just throw those panty liners in? <laughs> um, so we did. And the response was not great from members. What were they saying? Well, they thought they were getting panty liners instead of one of their products. Oh. So panty liners instead of a scarf or an eyeshadow palette. And they were pissed. They're like, what the hell is this? This is not what I signed up for. Are they sending emails, I'm, tweets, oh, Instagram, everything? Everything. <laughs> screaming. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're very, very lucky that we have such an engaged membership. Um, and most of the time when it's positive, that's something really special. And I think it's something very unique to us. But God knows, you know, when it's bad, they are not shy about letting us know. No. And I think, you know, the lesson that we learned is that, honestly, we just didn't communicate what we were doing. You know, we didn't explain to them what a sponsored product actually meant, that it was actually no different than any advertisement. And we, you know, gave them this sort of scenario of, look, here are your choices. You can get a box with a sponsored product and a higher retail value or a box with a sponsor, without a sponsored product and a lower retail value. Well, okay, one, everyone's choosing the higher retail value. Not to mention that when we get that revenue from the sponsored products, it goes directly back into the membership to making the products better, to making the membership better, to improving shipping, all of these things. And I think, you know, we just hadn't had that open dialogue with them yet. And that's part of the reason why we launched our community forums was so that we could have that very open communication. And now sponsored products are beloved. I mean, they're, they look at them as freebies, they're bonuses, they're super excited. They're like, oh, I, it's something that I haven't paid for. I'm really excited to get it. More stuff. But yeah, it's exactly it. How and did I think, you share that with them? So did you have to go to social media and explain it, emails yes, or everywhere? Video so, message. So, so at that time, it was email and social media. But that really was – I mean, look, social media – is really not a great form of communication. Um, it's not really community. Um, we all use it. We love it. It's great for conversion. Um, but, you know, that that's why, you know, originally we had built this sort of dashboard that members could log in and find out when their next box shipped and when they were going to get billed. But once we started to layer on the community forums, that's where suddenly, like, I could go in and just talk to members directly. And I still do that to this day. I mean, crazy amounts of time. I spend hours in the community every day, usually from the hours of like 11 p.m. till 3 a.m. <laughs> answering questions. Um, but it's really – it's become an amazing way for us to get – incredibly direct, immediate feedback from our members about, honestly, everything and anything that we do. Where does the community forum exist? In an app, on the website? So um, it exists on the website. You log in. It's only for members. You log in with your FabFitFun email. 
Um, and what's cool is, you know, obviously they're in there, they're talking about the box, they're talking about the products, um, but it really has become much deeper than that. And I think, you know, I equate it a lot to sort of the difference in a traditional social media platform. Um, and that, look, I love Instagram. I use it all the time. I was just taking a picture of myself on Park Avenue, showing that I showing off that I was in New York, looking like an idiot. Um, but, you know, it's not the most, like, authentic version of ourselves. And I feel like I make this joke all the time. But, you know, when you see a picture of, like, my house on my social media account, it's literally the two inches of space that's not covered in, like, goldfish crumbs and paint from my kids, right? I'm like, yes, and this is my entire house. It's so beautiful and spotless and clean. Um, but if something's wrong in my life, I'm not going to Instagram to share. Like that's not what I what most people use that platform for. Um, but because the community, because our FabFitFun community rather is behind a paywall, um, because they have this sort of shared bond of being a FabFitFun member, you know, they're able to really share and form these deep bonds. And we've seen incredible things happen where you know, a member, you know, might be struggling financially and other members will like rally and send her gift cards and gift baskets. Wow. And we've seen members, you know, also going to the hospital because they've been sick and members literally traveling across state lines to go visit their friends they've made in the community. And I think, look, it gets much harder to make friends as an adult. You know, you're not sort of forced into those traditional conventions that happen when you're in school. And I think, you know, we all, though, long for those connections. We want those friends. We want people that have sort of similar interests to be able to talk to and interact with. And so I think that's why the community has become this really special place. And what's fun is, you know, we see them not just engaging in a digital space, but they, you know, are forming in-person meetup groups, um, you know, in the U.S. and Canada and U.K., and they're doing it all on their own. I mean, sometimes we send them a little bit of swag, but they're doing really amazing things where they'll literally, like, bring a FabFitFun box to a bakery and they'll make a cake out of it. And then they'll trade products and have lunch with each other. And it's just, you know, it's this nice sort of bonding experience. That's really incredible. So when did the community launch? And when did you know we need to build our own platform and can't just rely on these social channels? Yeah. So um, it launched basically two years in. And it was when we realized that we needed a more direct form of communication. You know, we wanted that. And I do think that's the difference. I mean, it's funny. You'll see people come into the community and I think sometimes they don't really think that they're talking to me. You know, they think there's some sort of like, but, but in fact, it is me. And I think as they get to know me, they realize that it really is me. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. (laughs) I also get asked about like tracking information for their boxes. And I'm like, I can't, I don't, that's not, that's customer service. (laughs) Uh, But no, but it's, it's been fun to um, engage and relate to them on that, that sort of deeper level. And you have a million members now, which is absolutely incredible. What has led to the success of being able to get this many members? I know you just mentioned social media helps you acquire. Yes. I mean, so one of the things, so I think a couple of things, I think as far as acquisition goes, um, you know, Facebook is still our biggest channel. Um, But you know, I think what we were very um, sort of early on um, sort of very good at was influencer marketing. Um, and I think, you know, it was really at a time when, honestly, the term influencer marketing, I don't even think actually existed. Um, but because we have such a unique offering that it's a box full of different products, it's hard to translate that into a traditional ad because it doesn't really 
signify everything that you're getting, all the value, all the different products. What is the ad or the piece of creative that works best is an unboxing. Um, And those are obviously videos that do the best on YouTube. Um, You know, these influencers, you know, tag every product and every brand. It's actually part of the reason why the actual brands do it and love it so much. So they get this crazy number of impressions because of all of these unboxings. Um, You know, there's a psychological phenomenon that makes people feel good when they watch unboxings. We feel relaxed and happy which is our goal. Um, And I think our influencer strategy from the very beginning was, you know, a little unique in that we really wanted to cast a very wide net when it came to the women and honestly people in general now that we're working with. You know, we really wanted to see our members reflected in that group of women. And so while we certainly still, you know, work with the big sort of beauty gurus on YouTube and the fashionistas on Instagram. Um, You know, we also work with Olympic athletes and entrepreneurs and um, honestly, a lot of reality stars. I've seen all the Bachelor, Bachelor influencers. For sure. And I will say, you know, what's interesting about the reality stars is that um, as much as it's it's sort of an interesting, you know, group, they're actually more inclusive than your traditional social media influencers. And when you look at things like age and where they live in the country and ethnicity. I mean, that was sort of, that was sort of part of the goal from the very beginning. They're so relatable. Yeah. And making sure that they, that they looked like everyone because we really do believe that FabFitFun is for everyone. Can you share which reality star influencer has driven the most amount of subscriptions for you? Um, um, I, you know, it's definitely the reality star, honestly. I mean, and it's, it's across the board. And I think maybe that's because of two reasons. One, um, you know, unlike a traditional celebrity, you know, they're not making millions of dollars um, on every, you know, from everything they do. Like this is really their bread and butter and they work incredibly hard at it and do a very good job. I think sort of another reason is that there is this weird psychological thing where we watch what we think are these people's real lives. We think we know them. Um, you know, when Jennifer Aniston tells me to do something, I'm like, oh, a celebrity is telling me to do it. When Lisa Rinna tells me to do something, I'm like, oh, my good friend Lisa yeah. Rinna, who, you know, lives in Sherman Oaks and does this. You know, it's like it's like your friend is telling you to yeah. do something. And there's that, like you said, relatability that I think – um, you know, had a very strong effect on what those conversions look like. Um, but I will say, you know, when it comes to scale and growth, you know, all of this only works because of customization. And that's been, you know, a huge, huge investment for us over the past two years. You know, when we launched the boxes, um, everybody came from the website. They were very much my demo. You know, I chose eight products and chances were high that if I liked it, you know, members were going to like it as well. And everybody got those same products. Um, you know, now that we're curating for well over a million women a season, it's just a much more diverse group of people. And, you know, what we know is that a 16-year-old in San Diego probably doesn't want the same product as a 65-year-old in Kansas City. And we genuinely have both of those women in our membership. So in order to, you know, one, satisfy our current members and two, scale the business, like customization is the answer. And it happens in a couple of different ways. So on one hand, um, we have what we call curated choice where members are actually choosing different products in their boxes. So you might choose between um, a eyeshadow palette versus a def- an electric diffuser versus an oversized scarf. 
Or if you want to sort of remain true to the original branch ethos of surprise and delight, you know, our wonderful team of data scientists will choose for you based on your profile. And so, you know, for us, it's not just curating a great group of products. It's also making sure that we're getting the right products to the right people. And, you know, part of that is just personality and likes, but also where you live, your age, skin type, skin tone. You know, I know most people in Florida are not choosing that oversized scarf. They're just not going to have any use for it. And so we want to make sure that everything is really (laughs) useful. Yes. Although right now they're very lucky. So if I was a member, and I'm going to be a member yes. of FabFitFun, um, I wouldn't have to fill out – well, I guess you, you would ask questions like you said. But every month, I don't get to choose what I want based on who I am and what you know about me. I get this curated box. So it's it's your choice, basically. Okay. Like if you want to choose each season, you can. If you want to be chosen for, you can do it that way as well. And I mean when you sign up – um, there is a pretty extensive um, customer profile that you fill out. And I think what's interesting is, you know, we live in this world where, you know, increasingly people are terrified to give up their information, especially to e-com brands. And, you know, we just don't have that problem. And I think, you know, the reason is, you know, we really – hounded in this idea that the more information, the better the membership becomes, the better the box becomes. And if you look in the community, look, they're giving us advice and suggestions literally, you know, hundreds of times a day. And the reality is we use a lot of them to actually enhance the membership. And so they see that, you know, what they say is really implemented and they feel like they're building this business with us. You know, I honestly, you know, they're they're basically act like our fourth co-founder. And I think that's why, you know, they're really open to sharing. They actually love taking surveys. Um, You know, after the boxes go out, we send out a survey to all of our members um, that, you know, asked questions about what they thought about in each individual product. Would they recommend it? Would they buy it again? Um, and we get an over 20% return rate on those surveys, which at our scale is pretty wow. insane. And what's nice for ours, our product, our product partners is that, you know, all of that feedback and data is actually given to the partners so they can understand where they can make improvements, what they, you know, and, you know, how they can tweak and change. None of the personal information, of course. <laughs> Up next, we unpack. A FabFitFun box, plus a surprise. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. So we have this beautiful box right here, and I have been dying to go through it. So let's do an audio unboxing. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, <laughs> what well, do we have in okay. here? So this is our winter box, and um, I feel like I probably say this every season, but I really believe this is the best box we've ever done. It's one of my favorites for sure. Um, I love and- the branding. There's a girl on it. She's walking her cute dog. 
So, and I, Courtney, it's like you're I on the know, bus. It reminds me of my, I almost brought my dog here actually today, but I left her in the office. Oh, I love dogs. <laughs> um, we are, you know, it's actually really important to us. So we um, commissioned an artist to design the box prints every season. And it's fun because we'll see our members do crazy things with the boxes. They've made planters. They've made ornaments. They've made lampshades. I mean, legitimately things that you would never I think I love of. your members. I just, yeah. They're very creative. Much better at DIY than I possibly am. Um, but one of the things that I'm, you know, really proud of in this winter box is actually our biggest collection of female-founded brands. So we have 17 amazing, badass female founders that we get to feature. And we well, you know we love, love that. that. I love that. That's our favorite box already now, too. <laughs> yes. Um, so one of my favorite products. Um, so this is one of the curations um, that you're looking at. So this is oh my the Unhide Faux fur blanket. I feel like you should. I was gonna oh, say, is this a weighted blanket? You gotta, you gotta open heavy. it. Even though we're we're talking about it, you have to describe what it feels like okay. because it's the softest, most amazing blanket that you're ever gonna touch. Um, but what's cool it was actually co-founded by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh wow! Um, and she's oh, we a love huge Ellen. Oh my god, it and is so it's so good, soft. right? And it's right. big and heavy. Ugh. Yeah, it's no joke. It's weighted. Is it weighted? Um, it's no, it's not weighted. It's oh, not very weighted. heavy. Oh, weighty. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, the, you know, the reality is the world is catching up. But you know, fur is an incredibly sort of awful process of what it does to animals, and um, you know, an amazing number of animals are still slaughtered for their fur every year. And so, Unhide wants to be the most premium, most luxurious faux fur brand on the market. It says so, no animals were harmed in the making. It's exactly right. And what we love is, you know, the boxes are really curated to be very seasonal. So we want you to cozy up with your faux fur blanket by the fireplace this winter. Well, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that. Be doing that. I love <laughs> right. this blanket. Well, oh, another favorite. So that is a um, sh- wireless shower speaker from Bando. I needed this. <laughs> well, like here's on, so we believe. I feel like I'm on a game show. I love it, right? <laughs> it's a present four times a year. You're winning. Um, but, you know, we. We really believe that this self-care so cool. comes in all shapes and forms. And as busy working women and moms, you know, sometimes showering and bathing tends to be our, you know, regular self-care. Love Jen Gott. She's an amazing founder. Bando's a really fun brand. Um, this is a coffee scrub by Frank Body. It's an Australian-based brand. And so for us, you know, we are not just looking at products from the U.S. You know, every season we really do scour the globe to find the best brands and the best products each season. Those are a set of sheet masks from Karuna. So Karuna was actually the first brand to bring sheet masks over to the U.S. And there is a sheet mask for all of your different needs. Um, We have this prep rally from Drybar. Ali Webb is another badass founder that we love. Those are keratin gloves because in winter, (laughs) you know, your hands get so dry and chopped. They're really fun. Um, But there's a bunch of other things. We also have um, a beanie and um, arm warmer set from Rebecca Minkoff. Um, we have a Swarovski bracelet as a choice. Um, lots of really good products. We just had Rebecca. She was just sitting on this chair a few I weeks ago. Just, I'm yes. doing a founder chat with her tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, tell her we say together. hello. Yes. Yes. The FabFitFun magazine. Yes. Tell us how that came to be. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's funny. We really believe that we are storytellers at heart. Having started in content, you know, my passion was never, you know, sending people stuff in a box, but 
really bringing these stories to life. Um, and we do a lot of that through the magazine, which, by the way, now has a higher circulation than Vogue, just saying. Wow. Uh, but what's fun is, you know, consumers have really changed. You know, they're not they're not just interested in the cheapest product or the label. They want the inspiration behind the brand. You know, they understand ingredients in a way that they never did before. They understand sourcing. They want to know how to use it. And for us, it's really important to bring that to life. So we do that through our Glossy magazine. We go even deeper um, into storytelling in our online magazine, as well as FabFitFun TV, which is our over-the-top streaming service that has, you know, hundreds of workouts on demands, plus healthy cooking, relationship-advised, makeup tutorials, all only for members. Um, but it is that interplay between content, community, and commerce that I think, you know, sets us apart from a traditional subscription box. We actually don't think of ourselves as a subscription box anymore. We really think of ourselves as a membership. So when we think of who you know, our competitors are in the market, it's less like an Ipsy and a Birchbox and more, you know, the Spotify's, the Netflix, the Amazon Primes. You know, we really want to be one of the most valuable memberships in your world. So what's next for FabFitFun? Oh, gosh. You know, we are we are not good at saying no. We like to try a lot of things. Um, you know, one of the things you'll see more and more of is just even deeper customization. So we just invested in a new warehouse management system. So right now you're seeing hundreds of thousands of variations each season. You'll see that jump to millions pretty soon. Um, we also just launched our first clubs. So, um, you know, within the community, we obviously are, you know, connecting members, you know, because they're women, because they're FabFitFem members. But for us, you know, we want to, you know, connect people at an even deeper level. So we launched our first clubs. Our first club was our cooking club. And so there's a huge content play. Um, there's also tons of UGC where members are sharing their recipes and pictures and contests, et cetera. Um, on a little bit of a lighter touch, we launched our reality show club as well, just because <laughs> we have a soft spot for all things Bravo. Of course. <laughs> uh, but you'll see clubs launch throughout the year. And it'll be fun because it's a little bit of a local activation strategy as well. And where will the clubs be hosted? So the clubs are hosted within the community. Um, but So if I was in the community, I could say, hey, everyone, come to my apartment. Well, so, <laughs> you, so, so you join a digital space, and then exactly, that's yeah. but that's literally what oh, people are Oh, but it's not doing. a physical so it's meeting. Right, so right now, at, within the FabFitFun world, it lives in a digital space, and we're seeing our members on their own activating it on a local level. Oh, so you might want to have like a bachelor viewing party with the FabFitFun members. That's exactly yeah. it. But who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. A little rosé, a rose, everybody's happy. Is there anything that you wish – that you know now that you wish you knew when you were first starting the business? I wish, one, that I had let go a little bit earlier. I think that was – it took me a long time to learn that lesson. Um, I also think that, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit of a struggle for me because I was doing something that I had never done before. And I know people talk about imposter syndrome all the time, but like I felt it 24-7. I'm like, I, le I legitimately didn't know what I was doing. And I was always nervous that someone was sort of going to find out that I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the background. Um, but, you know, 
looking back, I realized that you're never going to know everything about everything before you start. It's always going to be, uh, there's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be new, innovative, you know, uh, findings that happen. And, and that's okay, right? You know, we're going to improve. You're going to get better. Um, and that's normal. And, I, you know, I, I wish that I hadn't been so anxious about it for so many years. Honestly, I think the past year, I've really has been the first time that I've started to let a little bit of that go. What, how did you let th- let it go? I don't know. You know, I I don't. It wasn't sort of one thing that happened. Um, I think that you know, having a second child honestly made me realize like there was just no striving for perf- perfection. You know, like at that point, like I was a hot mess, and that was okay. And sort of reveling in the idea that you know, I'm not going to be perfect, that honestly, perfectionism is pretty boring because if you're always striving for perfection, you're never going to take any risks. And without taking any risks, you don't learn from your failures. And so, you know, that's something that I just, I try and continue to tell myself. And, you know, I'm not, I don't always, I don't always succeed, but I, I, you know, I'm getting better at it. And what responsibility would you say was the hardest to let go? Oh, what responsibility was the hardest to let go. Um, You know, up until, honestly, last year, I was really, I mean, honestly, this year, I was picking every product that went in the box. Um, And that is not scalable. You know, I mean, at this point, it's just, it doesn't make sense. We now have sort of category leads um, within every department. So there's a beauty team who is strategizing and picking and working on the best beauty products, same with home, same with tech. And it's just led to a much better experience. But I think that was, you know, for me, because the products, because that part was such my baby, you know, that was really, really tough. But look, it's it's honestly only gotten better. Did Did someone on the team tell you like, Katie, you just have to let go of this and let someone do it? Or did it just hit you like, I think I'm ready? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it was honestly just hiring really smart, really talented yeah. people that made me realize that it was possible. You know, and in the beginning, we had really smart, talented people, but they were young and also inexperienced and they were hustlers, you know, and that was really good. And it was what we needed in order to grow the business at that time. But then suddenly when you have people who've been doing these things for a while and have sort of seen it and and seen the successes, seen the failures, there's a different kind of, I think, trust that, that then comes. Stephanie and I love to surprise and delight our guests. And as you could tell, we love presents. So we got you something. um, It's in your entrepreneurista swag bag next to your seat. Oh, amazing. I love it. This is so cute. (laughs) You can do your entrepreneurista unbagging. (laughs) Honestly, I always need a notebook. I feel like I like, like to write things down. I think there's something that just feels really good. It's actually my... I'm not um, super new agey, but I keep a gratitude list because it is the one thing that keeps me sane. When I can't sleep at night, I use it. So this is perfect. Um, And how cool is this? Oh, so cute, guys. You're amazing. (laughs) I love it. And this is a candle? Oh, yes. Love a candle. And then there should be one other little little thing. Relax at the the end of the night. Is it the bottom? Yeah. What is it? There should be one other oh. little tiny bag there. So you're officially an entrepreneurista. Oh, yes. So I love it. Yes. Yes. on right now. How cool. Yes. Pins are back, guys. I know. That's Jean why. jackets and pins. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah, why. We love them. We're giving them out. Love it. <laughs> done perfect. And done. Perfect. Perfect. What would you say you are grateful for every single day? 
Um, what am I without your journal? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, look, I, one is, you know, certainly my family. Um, I don't think I, you know, understood love and life as cheesy as that sounds until I had my kids. I mean, it really, you know, changes. I think it changed me at least to the core of who I am. And, um, I, I'm honestly, I, I, I see myself through my daughter's eyes. They're three and six and, um, you know, they love me so much and they're always so proud of me. And I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not honestly worth of their adoration, but, you know, it makes me feel so wonderful. And I have, um, a husband who is incredibly supportive. I mean, I, you know, we're both hands-on, we're true partners in everything that we do. And I know that there's no way that I could be doing any of this without him, um, and, you know, last but certainly not least is just, you know, the FabFitFun team. I mean, these are people who I spend more time with most weeks than I do my family. And I feel, you know, very just lucky and grateful to, you know, not only work with people that are smart and talented, but just who I genuinely like. I mean, they're, you know, equally passionate, fun. I think culture has been something that's been, you know, something that we've really worked hard on. And so I, I feel grateful that we get to surround ourselves with people who inspire me every day. So I have a six-month-old, so I'm a new mom. Congratulations. I thank you. I say, quote, balancing running a business and being a new mom, but I don't think balance is an actual word. Nope. Do you have any tips for myself as a new mom running a business and, you know, you're a few years into the the juggle? (laughs) Yep. I mean, I think a couple of things. I think one is that acceptance that balance doesn't exist. And, you know, I may not be the mom at every single PTA meeting, but that's okay. And I think, you know, what I've been trying to be better at is just being present. Um, you know, when I'm with my kids, I'm trying not to look at my phone. Um, and when I'm at work, I'm concentrating on work. And, you know, one of the things that I feel also very grateful for is that, you know, being at a startup, there is a lot of flexibility. And so I leave the office every day between 5 and 5.30. Um, it means that I get to go home. I cook them dinner when I'm not traveling. I read them a story. I put them to bed. Um, and yeah, that means at nine o'clock, I'm back on the computer until midnight, but that's what works for me. And it, you know, realizing that that's my choice and that these are my current priorities, like that helps, you know, it's not like someone is putting this upon me. You know, I choose to prioritize my family and my work and, you know, the gym has seen better days, but that's okay. And what would you say being an entrepreneurista means to you? Ooh, being an entrepreneurista to me really means taking risks. Um, you know, I think as women, it can sometimes be a little harder for us to take those risks. You know, we're not sort of conditioned to do that as kids, whereas sort of boys are, you know, pushed to jump off, you know, the carousel and, you know, want to win the game at any cost where, you know, girls are really taught to be perfect and look great. And, um, you know, there is, I think, um, a relearning that you have to do, but, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, it's certainly something that has to be done. And um, I'm really, you know, proud of the risks that I've taken over the past 10 years. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone find and follow you? So you can find us at fabfitfun.com. Um, same on Insta and Twitter and Facebook and Snap and all of the fun social media sites. But um, yeah, fabfitfun.com.
And we would love to offer all of the listeners a $10 off coupon. Um, you can check out using the coupon code Entrepreneurista, and you guys are going to get hooked up. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to order our boxes. Katie, thank you so much for being here, sharing your incredible story. You were definitely the definition of an Entrepreneurista, a true risk taker, and it's definitely gotten you very far. So congratulations. Thank you so much. This was so much fun, this guys. A lot I really of fun. appreciate it. And I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 